If you would uh, uh, put on the screen Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 12. Ephesians number 6 and verse 12. I didn't have it in the notes, but I really felt prompted that uh, we need to open with this tonight. We're going to be ministering on greater doors, often mean greater battles. But how many of you know we have an adversary? We have an adversary. But I want you to know that our adversary is a defeated adversary. He's already been defeated by our elder brother, Jesus. Jesus has taken care of the little stinky rat. Knocked out all of his teeth so he can't bite you. He doesn't have a leg to stand on. He is no match for the army of the living God. If the army knows who they are, what they possess in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in Ephesians chapter number six, you know this verse of scripture. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Say, I don't fight against flesh and I don't fight against blood. This is what we wrestle against. He says, but we, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He said, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And he says, then stand therefore. In other words, there is no quit in this army. We do not give up. We might get knocked down. We might lose a skirmish, but we don't lose the battle because Jesus won the battle. So we get back up again because that's just the nature that God has placed within us. We're winners, not losers. We're more than conquerors. We always triumph in the Lord. For me to fail... Jesus would have had to have failed. He did not. And so so therefore, we have been seated in the rightful position of victory lane. We belong in victory lane. We're seated in heavenly places with the Lord. And even when the enemy accuses us, he turns to Jesus and he says, To Jesus, well, what about this accusation? He said, they're washed in the blood. And as far as the Lord is concerned, and as far as God the Father is concerned, there is no fault. There is no fault because Jesus satisfied the gavel of justice of heaven for you and I. Of anybody that ought to know what to do when the enemy comes and tries to pull his shenanigans in our life, it ought to be the church. The church ought to be the most advanced, the most uh, spiritually in tune. Their spiritual antennae is up. We're sensitive to what the Spirit of God is saying and doing. We recognize whenever it's the enemy because he lets us know in advance of all the things that the enemy is up to. He lets us know so that we are prepared to do battle In the word of God concerning it. Jesus defeated the devil whenever he was on the, you know, when he was uh, out for 40 days and he had been fasting and praying and the enemy came to tempt him. All he did was he used the word. It 
is written. That's what we use today. Jesus set us the example. We follow that example. So when the enemy tries to come and tries to do havoc in our life, we remind him what is written. That means we have to do our due diligence. We have to get into the word. We have to study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Look at your neighbor and say, you are rightly dividing the word of truth when you're in the word. You got to be in the word though. There has to be a preparation on your part. Those of of you that uh, were in the military, you know that there was a preparation that you had to go through before you ended up out on the battlefield. They didn't just throw you on the battlefield. They prepared you so that you would be prepared to fight against the enemy. You may not know everything that you need to know, but you at least had some preparation time to get yourself in a position. How many of you know you're coming to a church that's a faith word church? A faith word church is preparing you for the battlefield so that whenever the doors that we are asking to be opened, then there's going to be a battle. Because the enemy is going to be there to try to stop you and thwart what you're trying to do. You are his enemy because every advancement that you make against his kingdom, you win. Amen. He's not the winner. You're the winner. You cannot lose because Jesus has already backed it all up. Amen. All right, go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 9. He said, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me. This is Paul the Apostle speaking. And there are many adversaries. Now, how many of you know God uses people? Right? God uses people. He uses you. You are his access to the earth. The church has been given all the keys of the kingdom. God does not hold the keys. You and I hold the keys. What are the keys? The keys are whatever you need. At the time that the enemy tries to do anything in your life, you hold the keys. The church holds the keys. So if you, how many of you have keys in your purse or in your pocket? You have keys. The question is, is do you know what the keys go to? There's a lot of people that have keys in their pocket, but they haven't a clue of what some of these keys go to. I know what every one of my keys go to. I made sure of that before I came. So that if I use this as an example, but I didn't, I knew what all of them were. You need to know what the keys are in order for you to be able to take a stand against the wiles of the devil. We're not fighting against anything but the enemy that's trying to stop you from being successful in life. He's trying to get you into fear, doubt, unbelief, get you confused and everything else so that you will not take a firm stand and that you will listen to what the Word of God says and not what everybody else says. Sometimes the people that will discourage you the most are the people that are closest to you. 
Don't elbow anybody. But you and I, you and I need to take a firm stand. That's the reason he said that we don't wrestle against the flesh and the blood. It's not flesh and blood that we're, we're fighting with. It's the enemy that's trying to do something to hinder what God has already said we're successful at. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. He made all crooked places straight and all rough places smooth. It's already done. I know that it, the, the Bible teaches us that he's the God of this world, but he's not the God of this world to the church. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So what we are fighting with is who we are and what we possess in him. We're taking a stand for righteousness for peace and for joy in the Holy Ghost. Our motive is love. Love never fails. Agape love, God's love, never, ever fails. Now, your love, phileo love, friendship type love, can fail. I don't think there's a person in here that would want to fail another person in this room. But nonetheless... We have the ability to make a mistake in our life, don't we? But we can always depend on the word. Amen. So we say, he said, for a great door and effectual is open unto me. The first part of the verse, for God to open, we want him to open great doors. How many of you want to see blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped? We want to see the doors opened so that we can see the manifestations of what the Word says. Not that we just read about it or that we have a story from years gone by, but that we have the substance of something that's reality to us that the Lord has made open to us. The second part of that verse says, and there are many adversaries. He says there are many adversaries. It is a fact. The word declares that there are adversaries. And we know what those adversaries are. They're demons of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places that try to hinder us from getting to our determined destinations in life. You have gifts. You had callings upon your life. But none of us pray for that second part of that verse. We pray for the open doors, but we don't want any adversaries. Nobody prays to have adversaries, but he says there's going to be adversaries. They're going to be there. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed anything that you've ever tried to do for the kingdom of God, that there always seems to be some type of obstacle or something that the enemy is up to trying to keep you from getting to that uh, final point? And so it's the enemy that's trying to stop and to halt that. We can't, we, we, so greater doors, if we want greater doors, we want them to open, they, they point us to greater battles. So there's obstacles. The higher you go in the, in the presence of the Lord and the things of God, the more adversarial conflict that you're going to have. And so we can't keep strolling into the open doors 
unequipped and unprepared. For a new level of warfare, we need to grow up in spiritual things or to become spiritually mature. We should not still be sucking on bottles. Unless you're a brand new born again Christian. How many people in here are at least 50 years old in the Lord? Okay, 40. 30, 20, 10. We should know some things. Amen? We shouldn't be like we were when we started our journey in the very beginning of our relationship. So we're, we're growing in the Lord, and that, I want you to know that that's an encouragement to you, that you're not where you used to be, and you're not where you're going to be. But you're going to get there. So we need to see that there are great doors. We want them open. We want to see them happen. We want to see them happen as a church. We want to see them happen as individuals. But we also know, Paul says, that there are adversaries. It's in the Word. We need to just grab a hold of it and uh, realize that the enemy is not just going to lay down and just let you just do your thing. He's going to try to hinder what's going on. If you haven't noticed, that's what he's doing in the world. He's just trying to mess the world up to let everything look like that he's winning when in reality, he's already lost. He already lost. In Colossians, if you turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter number four, verse number two and three. He says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. The same verses of scripture in the Amplified read it this way. Be earnest an unwearied and steadfast in your prayer life, being both alert and intent in your praying with thanksgiving, and at the same time pray for us also with thanksgiving, and at the same time pray for us also that God may open a door to us for the word, the gospel, to proclaim the mystery concerning Christ, the Messiah, uh, on account of which I am a prisoner." It's obvious that it's clear in Paul, in Paul's thinking, in saying that a wide and effectual door of ministry brought with them great adversity. Seemed like everywhere that Paul the Apostle went. How about Jesus? Seemed like everywhere Jesus went, there seemed to be opposition that tried to hinder him from getting to his determined destination. There were several times that Jesus just blinded them where they couldn't see him and he just walked through their midst and he just went to his determined destination. See, he wasn't going to be a loser because he couldn't lose because he set the pace for what you and I should be able to do today. I don't know if you've ever heard of Siggy and Gwen. Any of you have ever heard of Siggy and Gwen? Siggy and Gwen were missionaries uh, behind the Iron Curtain when the Iron Curtain was, uh, was still up. And they had a ministry with angels. 
And uh, you would go and spend at least 30 to 45 days with them to learn the art of being able to know how to see and to be able to listen and observe angels. How many of you know we have angels that are on assignment? They've been sent on assignment specifically to aid and to help. The Christian, you and I, to get to determined destinations if necessary. And so they, before the, their crew would go, because they would go, they would have Bibles uh, in their suitcases, Bibles in their coats, and everything else to take behind the Iron Curtain. And they would always ask that angels would assist them to get through the, the checkpoints without being seen and that their Bibles would get across behind the Iron Curtain. So they would go to these different checkpoints and these people had to learn that they could not have one iota of fear. Fear is the basis of everything that the enemy tries to do to humanity. If he can get you into fear, then he can, he can eventually captivate you in that and you become ineffective. So they had to become where they were not fearful of anything afraid of anything, guns, any of those things. And so they would take those people that had qualified and they would take them to the Iron Curtain and they would load them down with Bibles in their suitcases and everything else. And every time they went in behind the Iron Curtain, they never got stopped one time. And the other thing was, is they didn't always know where they were going. So the Lord would send them angels to point them into the directions and to the cities that they needed to go to. This, this happened back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. This is not something that was hundreds of years ago. That was, that was something that is, you know, in the, in the 1900s that was happening about the time all of the great move of, the, of God was going on with the healing ministries that were taking place. So I said that to say, say this to you, that Paul knew that whenever he came into conflict or whenever God gave him an assignment, that there were going to be adversarial type of uh, elements that would be involved to try to hinder him from getting to his determined destination. And even with persecutions. And so we're going to read about a little bit of this in Mark's gospel. If you go with me to Mark chapter number 10. In verse number 29, he says in verse 29, And Jesus answering and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake, and the gospel's, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with, you say it for me, with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. Now I know that that doesn't sound like great news, but how many of you know you're supposed to be armed and prepared to stand and to stand with all. The Lord's trying to get us to grow up mature 
in a spiritual sense so that when the enemy comes, that we recognize that the Spirit of the Lord is going to lift up a standard against him. That we have nothing to be afraid of. Just as I was saying about Siggy and Gwen, they just had no, they just would not allow anyone to go that even had a, a decimal of fear in their life. They just couldn't. They couldn't afford it because there was too many other people involved and they had to be sure that everybody was on the same page. How can two walk together except they be agreed? That's what Amos 3.3 says. How can we be in agreement together, even as a church? We have to get into this sense of, of we agree together, we believe together, and we receive together. We're a family. We're the body of Christ. We're not just, we're separate, but yet we're one. Just like God is three persons in one. And that's the way the body of Christ is. You're my brother, you're my sister. And we all say, serve the same master, and he's given us all the same instructions. There is no difference in the instruction. Denominationalism should not separate us from the word of God. We're not looking for man's uh, tradition and his ideas. We're looking for the, the purity of the Word of God. And if we stick with the Word, we'll be safe. But when we venture off to somebody else's agenda, then we have a tendency to fall into traps. And the enemy tries to ensnare us in those traps. So the body of Christ, heritage of faith, has a great assignment. The assignment that is upon this church is a lot greater and bigger than what you even know. And he's about to do some exploits that's literally going to trip people's heads. And that's okay. Let them be tripped. He's going to do exceedingly, abundantly, Above what you and I can possibly ask and or think. It's going to be out of this world. Just like you and I, we're out of this world. We're seated in heavenly places. Earth is not our final resting place. Not this one anyway. So... He said it didn't make any difference. It seems like the prosperity of the, of the word of God, the more that you get prosperous in whatever area in your life, it seems like there's more threats and there's more comments and there's, there's more things that try to come against you. If you get really blessed and prosperous financially, I promise you there comes a price with being that blessed. I mean, we can see it on TV in the natural with what just transpired and happened with Twitter. There's all kinds of adversarial attacks already that's taking place because they've made the devil mad. When, when the situation happened with uh, Roe v. Wade situation, and everything else. I mean, it stirred up a hornet's nest. 
but it doesn't make any difference. How many of you know it's still wrong? And how many of you know the church needs to take a stand? We need to take a stand. We don't need to be wishy-washy and floaty concerning it. We need to be of the same mindset. We need to be thinking the same. We need to think the way the Scripture thinks. Not the way everybody else thinks. I know that there's extenuating circumstances and everything else, but we're not talking about that. We're just talking about somebody getting on a bandwagon and just jumping in because they don't understand the full thing concerning why it is uh, important that we save and, and maintain and keep little babies coming into the world. God was cre- one that created the child. You were created by the handiwork of the Lord yourself. He was in on the whole thing. He created you in his own image, in his own likeness. And when you were conceived in your mother's womb, it was a God thing that was involved there. Whether man understands it, appreciates it or not, doesn't change, should not change the position of the church. I know I stepped out in some rocky waters, but that's okay. We need, to, we need to speak the truth, but speak it in love. And I'm saying it in love. I mean, this is a God, this is a God thing. I mean, the, our nation's being judged because of decisions that have been made by men concerning things that go contrary to the will and the Word of God. Thank you for all your enthusiasm. Bible prosperity cares with it a price. The potential and the possibility of persecution. So if you get blessed financially, if you get blessed in other endeavors in life and so forth, there is potential uh, persecution that could come your way. It's just a part of the arena that we're in. Jesus won the victory, but we have to know how to maintain and keep that victory. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's, let's continue with this. Paul is speaking now. The Lord was speaking before. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. He said, Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, in, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Out of them all. Persecutions came, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. Why did the Lord deliver him out of them all? Because he was a chosen special person or because he had a covenant and he understood his covenant? He understood his covenant And he took a stand and it didn't make any difference what came against him. He took a stand because he knew he was in the right, in the right position at the right place at the right time. He delivered me, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you're not being persecuted, chances are you're not saved. Because ever since I, listen, Before I got born again, I never had a problem with the devil. I never had a problem with the devil. You know why? Because I was playing his game. 
And as long as I played his game, did his things, went to his places, involved in all of those different types of activity, he never once bothered me. But as soon as I got born again, as soon as I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior, he came and whispered in my ears, you didn't really mean it. And you're not born again. He says, you're not born again. And I didn't know anything about the scripture or anything else. So I told somebody else and, and thank God for good brothers and, and sisters in the Lord that, that had already been down that road. And they said, Phil, the devil is the father of all lies. He doesn't know how to tell the truth. He said, they said, if he told you you're not saved, you're saved. It's obvious because it's the opposite of what he says. They asked me, they said, has he ever talked to you before? I said, not to my knowledge. But as soon as I got born again, man, he started jumping all over my case. And he's tried to jump and he's tried to jump and he's tried to jump. And I just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper to where he doesn't mess as much with me anymore. Because I'm now beginning to understand that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. I don't have to live that way. I don't have to act that way. I don't have to be that way. And it doesn't make any difference. What he says is going to be the opposite of what he says. If he says, I'm going to fail, I'm going to succeed. I'm going to succeed. Because he said, I'm going to fail. God said, I'm already a winner. I'm more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. I always win. I like Brother Copeland said one time, I heard him say this. He said he was playing uh, some ball with someone and it was his ball and it was his bat. Anybody else hear this? It's his ball and it's his bat that they were using. They said, well, we've played a long time. Let's, let's go home. You know, we're up and we're sorry that we won. He said, no, it's my ball. It's my bat. We don't go home till I win. That's the way we need to do with the devil and every demon of darkness. No, we're not quitting. We're not stopping. We don't go home until we win. You're the loser. We're the winner. Amen. He didn't say there wouldn't be obstacles. He didn't say that there wouldn't be uh, opportunities. He didn't say that we wouldn't have battles. What he says is that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the words of our testimony. And we love not our life even unto death if necessary. We just don't quit. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not a quitter. Quitters never win, and winners never quit. Paul made it clear in this verse that we can count on being faced with uh, persecution. We need to sit up. We need to take notice of what God has done. And, and what he has to say about adversity and about persecution. 
We cannot just put it out of our mind and say, no, that doesn't really exist and happen. We're not Christian science. We're faith people. You know, if it's raining outside, we can't stand at the door and say it's not raining. No, it's raining. It's okay. God made it to where it would rain. It's okay. You and I have to take a position in the, in the word that we, we've come to the conclusion that God knows best and he's made position for us and others have already gone that pattern in that way so that you and I could have an example to follow after. I think it's pretty bold for Paul to say, follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, if I do something outside of the ranks of what the Lord says, then you don't have to follow me. But he says, as long as I follow Christ, you need to follow me. How many of you know God's given us some generals in the army? Amen. People that have paid the price and prayed the price to get to their determined position. I mean, Dr. Savelle is, is not here just by accident. Thank God that we have an apostle who has spent years with the Lord and in his presence and underneath his tutelage. And God has found it uh, his, and graced him with the fact to be an apostle and to be a prophet. Amen. It, it, it takes... It, it takes just a little bit of understanding to realize that there are people that God is using and they didn't get there just by happenstance. They had to plow through. They had to face many obstacles and battles to get to their determined positions in life. Amen. I, I know that we see success stories now, but they weren't always success stories. There's things that they went through to get to their determined position. They found favor in the sight of the Lord, but it wasn't just because God just granted them favor. God has given you and I the same favor. It just depends on how desperate we are to, to know the truth. And the truth ends up making us free. Amen? But we have to work at it. Praise God. The effects of the effectual door in Paul's life, one of the examples, is found in Acts chapter number 13, verses 44, 45, and 50. It says, And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Let me stop right there. Nearly the whole city turned out to hear the word of God. So there was a hunger in the atmosphere. There was a hunger in the atmosphere. It's not that the people were not coming. It's not that the people didn't show up. And it says in, but, everybody say but. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, when the religious people saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spite against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Verse number 50, jump down to 50, because it didn't stop there. He said, but the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women 
and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. Now, how many of you know they got the devil riled up? They got the devil and the devil was using people. He was using people, the people of the city. All the rest of the people, they were showing up. The city was just about the whole city showed up. Wouldn't it be cool if Crowley just decided one Sunday to come to the service? When you get supernatural things going on and happening, things like that are commonplace in the spiritual arena. Whole cities come. Whole cities get turned around. And you and I need to be in a position to to believe that God can do such a thing. Now, we couldn't house them all in here. We'd have to have 10 or 15 or 20 services to be able to house everybody. But that's not the point. The point is is we have to begin to believe that God is up to something so much bigger than what we can ask, think, or believe ourselves. How many of you know God wants the whole earth saved? Legally, according to the Word of God, Jesus died for every individual that's on this planet called earth. Past, present, and future. It's not God's desire that any perish, but all come to repentance. That is his desire. That's what he wants. Jesus went in many places and he healed all the people that were sick and that were bound by the devil. All of them. Why can't we have the same thing happen right here at Heritage of Faith? When you come into this, this building, the anointing is so heavy and so strong uh, that you, you can't hold that disease anymore. It has to leave. It has no choice. If you have a fever or you have any type of a sickness or there's something that's wrong with you otherwise, that you came in not well, but you leave totally well. You come in in a wheelchair, you walk out pushing the wheelchair. You come in on crutches, you put the crutches in your hand and you walk out of the building or you leave them in the church so we can put them on the wall. So the, but the enemy doesn't like that. He doesn't want you and I to believe such things as that. They expelled him out of the coast. That means somewhere along the line, the rest of the people because they weren't strong, they didn't understand, they didn't know, they followed the leaders and let them do it. If one of our people gets sick in the church, are we just going to let them stay sick? We need to do something about it. I have authority, you have authority. One puts a thousand, two puts 10,000. We start multiplying together. We start banding together. We start standing together, believing together. And I guarantee you, according to the word, the captives will be set free. Amen. Go with me to Acts chapter 13, if you would, please. 
Is, is this helping anybody? Is... We want open doors, but there are adversarial entities that are going to try to stop what it is that God wants done here. And we as the church have to recognize it and take a stand. Take a stand. I'm going to be so bold to tell you what I did as a pastor. I believed that everybody in the house that was that called the church that they were at their church home that we should be of the of one mind in agreement together according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10 of the same judgment same mindset, the same belief system. And if they didn't believe that way, don't let the door hit you on the way out. I'm serious. I mean, we have to get down to serious business. We need to be in agreement. Because the power of agreement is very powerful. There can't be any ism. There can't be any chism. There can't be any type of division. We need to be hook, line, and sinker together. I told pastor, there's only one vision in the house and there's only one visionary in the house and they're sitting right here on the front row, our pastors. And then they have an apostle and a prophet that assist in helping to fulfill the mandates of what God is bringing on the scene. And then the rest of us are to get in agreement to help them to fulfill the vision of the house. That's our job as the body of Christ. And those that are the teachers and the ministers of the gospel in the fivefold ministry, we're supposed to help the congregation come to the place where they do the work of the ministry. Pastors shouldn't do it. It's the body that needs to do it. We need to come together and fulfill all that. And we are. And we are. I'm not saying that we're not. But we need to do it in a greater way because we want to see greater things happen. But when we, want, when we want a bigger door opened up, that means we have an adversary that says, we're not going to let you do that. And we're going to have to take a stand and say, oh, you want to bet? Our God said all things are possible to him that believeth. And we're believing for the impossible because our God can do anything. There is nothing that is impossible with the Lord. And we believe that and we stand on it. And we're not going to let you talk us out of it. You're not welcome here. Get, be gone, out of here. How many of that acts already? Here's Paul's and his company, their reaction to persecution. Acts 13, verse 51 and 52. He says, but they shook off the dust of their feet against them and they came unto Iconium and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. And where did they go? They went with their own company. And where did they find? They found joy, 
and they got filled with the Holy Ghost. Kept on moving with God. Paul learned how to conduct himself in adversity. He knew it was coming. He anticipated it. His faith was unwavering. Acts chapter 20. We'll start at verse 17 through 24. Are you still with me? He said, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, and he called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you uh, at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mine, and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the uh, lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul the apostle had many afflictions. How many of you know that two-thirds of your New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul. Most of that time, he was in a jail or a prison. He was bound. But that didn't stop him from writing the things that he knew that the church needed to be able to survive against the enemy. Jesus won the victory, but we have to activate that victory in our own life. He remained steadfast. In Philipp, uh, <clears throat> I put down here, none of these uh, things move Paul. That's spiritual maturity. Paul knew that effectual doors opened also, uh, opened, also opened the door to persecution and adversity, but he was not moved by it. And neither should we be. Philippians 4 and 12 says, I know Paul said this, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. This is the apostle. He is saying, I have, I wanted great effectual doors, but with great effectual doors came great adversity. Battles that he had to fight and he fought, fought the good fight of faith. So did Abraham. So did David. So did Peter. So did James. So did John. They fought good fights of faith and they laid hold on eternal life. And we have to do the same. Listen, we live in the best country in the world. As many of, 
problems as she has, she's still better than any other nation on the earth. When I went overseas uh, in Vietnam and came back, I got off my aircraft and I got on the, the tarmac and I got down and I kissed the tarmac. I was so glad to be back in the United States of America. The home of the free and the brave. The home that had freedom. I was so thankful, so glad. I've been to other nations in the world and third world countries and everything else. And I'm telling you, there is nothing like this land. Even in the midst of all of her troubles. I mean, you still got access to Bible schools. You've got access to all kinds of Bibles. I mean, you have any kind of a Bible that you want. We've got Bible bookstores. I mean, we've got churches on every corner. And we're just a blessed nation. They may not all preach exactly the same gospel and everything else, but it's here. The freedom of it is here. And that's what we're fighting for. And our system right now is to maintain and to keep our freedom because they're trying to take it away now. And it's getting more real and more real and more real. And it's because our adversary doesn't like the fact that the church now is beginning to take a real stand. But it's going to happen in the last day. And we're in the last day. If you listen to, uh, to Billy Brim, we're, we're, we're at the door, church. It's time for the greatest and the last move of the Spirit of God now. And you're the generation that's going to make it happen. And it's going to happen right here at Heritage of Faith in a big way. So we have to get prepared and we have to get ready. We've got to sharpen our swords. We've got to clean off our, you know, clean off our, our shields. Our shields have been gathering some dust and, and you know, and, and different things like that. We need to put on the belt, right? Put on our belt. Get our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Get the sword of the Spirit out. Sharpen it up. Put it back in its, its proper and rightful place. Put the armor on. He told us in those in Ephesians there, put on the whole armor of God. Suit up. Suit up because it's time to do battle. And if you'll notice that all of your equipment is for forward attack. Nothing is for the back. There's nothing back behind you. You know why? Because the Lord is the rear guard. He's got your back. Church used to tell me all the time, I think I've said this here, but I'm going to say it again. People come up to me and say, Pastor Phil, we're behind you. We're behind you. We're behind you, Pastor Phil. I said, I don't want you behind me. I want you beside me. Beside me. I don't know how far back you are. Get up here alongside of me. Arm in arm, we take the land. Amen. Get up here along the side of me. Let's fight together. When you were a kid, didn't you, didn't you have other kids dare you to do something? And you say, no, you go first. You go first. You do it first. 
Pastor, we're with you, brother. We're behind you. We're behind you, but you need to go out there and do that first. You set the example for us, Pastor. Pastor's already set the example. He gets up and preaches the Word of God with an anointing. It's an uncompromised Word. And it's a faith-filled Word that's giving you tools to be able to do what you and I need to do. Do exploits in His name. Fulfill the vision of the house. That's our job. Is to help our pastor fulfill the vision of the house. Good preaching. When you allow yourself to become weary, you temporarily temporarily lose perspective. Little problems appear gigantic. Eventually, every problem seems impossible. Just seems like every time I turn around, it just gets worse. It's just as easy for you to say, just seems like every time I turn around, it's just getting better. It's just getting better. Because I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what the Word says for me. Amen. God wants us to have His perspective on our adversary. If you would please, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It's in the NIV version. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. In closing... I just wrote something out. Everything, the adversary is going to try everything he can to stop you from going through those open doors. But run into the battle with the enthusiasm and go through those open doors knowing that God is already there. He is already there. He's already won the battle for you and you have the right to declare victory because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for you and I. Jesus paid a full price, not a partial price in every arena of your life and my life. So we want those open doors, those big open doors, but realize that the enemy is not just going to let you have them. You have to take a stand. You take the stand and the Lord will carry the rest of it out for you. All he's asking you to do is stand therefore. Take a stand in your belief system, your spiritual belief system. Know who you are. Know what you possess in him. Know what Jesus has accomplished through his blood. And take a stand and don't move. Don't move.
God bless you.